Welcome to Living a Full Life Podcast. Join us as we explore health topics that encourage raising healthy children, living a healthy life, and living the best life possible. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another episode of Living a Full Life. I'm Dr. Enrico Dolcicori, and this week we'll be reviewing ADHD. Many adults live with ADHD, but it's a childhood diagnosed disorder. What is ADHD? How does it start? Where does it come from? What do we know about it? And what can we do to help with it? It's not a life-ending disorder. It is a life-altering disorder for many children. They are diagnosed fairly uh, fairly early on in child development. But without proper treatment and without proper diagnosis, it can lead to a lot of chaos as far as development, scholastics, behavior, and even social settings later in life. As an adult, we adapt to society because we've matured, our brain is mature. However, even symptoms of ADHD can impinge or alter our social connections as well, especially sitting still and doing work and getting things done during the day. It can affect from children all the way to adults. So what do we know about ADHD and what are some things that we can do about it? Attention deficit hyperactive disorder is what ADHD stands for. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder that primarily affects children and can persist all the way through adulthood. Uh, People with ADHD may exhibit symptoms of inattention, hyperactivity, impulsivity, uh, which can impact their daily functioning and quality of life based on the things that they need to get done from a day-to-day basis. Uh, And they vary. The most common division of ADHD is between inattentiveness and hyperactivity slash impulsivity slash behavior control. So those are the two categories that ADHD is placed in. The inattentive group have difficulty paying attention to certain details and sustaining focus on certain tasks. Uh, They have trouble organizing. uh, They're forgetful. um, They have frequently losing or misplacing things, difficulty following instructions, or completing any task. So that's the inattentive group. The hyperactive group uh, are relentless. They're fidgeting, they're excessive, they're physical movements, they have difficult remaining seated or engage in quiet activities, they have excessive talking or interpreting others, um, impulsive behavior without considering the consequences, uh, and difficulty waiting for their turn for simple things. So it's based on these specific criteria that are, that are laid out in the Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And the symptoms range from, you know, uh, how such settings are impacted from home, school, work, social, and these evidence that the symptoms cause significant impairment in function. So we help a lot of kids on the spectrum, and part of the spectrum is ADHD. Uh, brain studies over the years, I've been fascinated about PET scans, uh, being in neurology my whole career, is uh, always looking at the brain, the structure of the brain. The brain is the brain. It's an organ inside the skull. It does what it does, but it's so intricate and it has so many different ways. When we look at the structure of it, 
we try and analyze the brain like any other structure in the body and you simply cannot do that. It's not as simple. And we still are learning the brain at uh, exponential rate. We don't know much about it except it's simple mapping it and, uh, of course, everything it controls. So PET scans and brain scans actually show that the prefrontal cortex matures a little bit more slowly in children with ADHD than in children without ADHD. And that prefrontal cortex is part of the uh, behavior control system of the body, and it houses a lot of that function. So there's a theory saying that because of the slower development of that portion during childhood development, these are where, where children may be diagnosed with ADHD because of their forgetfulness or difficulty paying attention or having hyperactivity. The exact cause is not known, but it's be believed to result from a combination of things, both genetic, environmental, and neurological factors. Um, you know, the chemistry of the brain, the genetics, the prenatal exposure to substances, environmental factors such as lead, for example. So little things that growing up like me, 80s kid growing up in lead-painted homes. There are all these theories about where ADHD, ADHD, ADHD comes from. And studying the reason of why any disease or pathology happens is very useful in understanding it. However, not very useful for the patient that is currently experiencing whatever is happening, whatever that diagnosis may be, whatever the pathology may be. However, it came on, doesn't really matter in the moment, especially for these kids, you know, that are five, six, seven, eight years old, wherever it came on, it doesn't matter anymore. It is what it is. And now it's, it's a battle for families to try and help, um, control the environment as much as possible and help the child as much as possible. So what I see all the time is um, a cool scan that we do in the office. We don't have the access to PET scans and to to scan every child, you know, every child's brain in a in an MRI or in a PET scan would be unnecessary exposure to just see uh, what's happening with the prefrontal cortex. It, it really doesn't matter in the outcome or the diagnosis diagnosis or prognosis of ADHD. We can do this through behavioral therapy in diagnosing them. So we don't do that. But what we do in our office is we do something called the static EMG, the static electromyography. And what this is, is the anyone, any patient can sit in a chair and we then take the frequency of the postural muscles. Specifically in our office is what we use. E EMG can be used on any muscle in the body. You can strap the lead to your quadricep, your bicep, your trap. You can put it anywhere and then measure the frequency of tensile strength in the muscle that's coming from the brain. The brain's sending a frequency through the neurology to that muscle fiber and making it twitch or do it what it needs to do. So we use the same technology, but we use it along the erector spinae and the spinal muscles to map out posture, symmetry, and asymmetry, and to also see the frequency. And after doing millions of these scans, we have an algorithm showing that where in childhood and adulthood where we should be in normal scanning. And what we see with all ADHD kids is their frequency is through the roof. And the algorithm and the program rates things based on zero to 100. So 100 being the best that you can be. Um, these kids will range at 400, 700, 1100. I've seen 1400 uh, on these scores. And then average adult will range about 130 to 180 to something if they have a, a problem specifically somewhere in their back. So just to give you a comparison, someone coming in with back pain may be at 140 
uh, frequency through their postural muscles, and a child would be at 780. Just to show that when they try and sit still in that chair and we test those muscles as they sit there still, how much frequency is traveling through the body? The brain is sending an exorbitant amount of energy to the postural muscles because of how what we think the prefrontal cortex is developing. Very fascinating stuff. But what can we do for these kids? There's there's a few common or most popular um, treatments or therapies for ADHD. And the first one and the, probably the most popular and the most used is behavioral therapy. Uh, behavioral therapy helps especially children uh, teach new skills and they can involve strategies that use providing structure and routine in, in their daily living, setting clear and consistent expectations, uh, using rewards as positive reinforcements for desired behaviors, teaching organizational and time management skills, developing strategies to improve attention and focus. There's many ways behavioral therapy can be used to help teach mechanisms to deal with the ADHD but also how to structure their life around it, just knowing that they're high-functioning, high-stimulated individuals. Uh, tough to teach a four-year-old that, but good to teach you know, maybe someone at eight, nine, ten years of age to learn that time and structure and having a routine may help overall performance. Medication is always a go-to with any type of um, Hyperactive disorders, uh, OCD, tics, uh, Tourette's, ADHD, even some autistic behavior. They'll go to stimulants uh, like Ritalin or Adderall, uh, or, which are commonly prescribed for ADHD symptoms. But they help. You know, they may help improve attention, redu reduce impulsivity, uh, but they don't really manage it. It's just more of uh, symptom control, um, and. In the long run, the usage uh, shows to decline over time the more that it's used. So medication has been uh, unpopular, but very, very common to, to be used for ADHD. Um, another thing in the adult ADHD category is just education and support, just understanding ADHD, how it manages, and how the symptoms effectively uh, affect each person individually can foster some self Advocacy, advocacy skills through that. Uh, environmental adaptations. We, we try to provide quiet and organized workspaces for people and for kids. Uh, we try to minimize the distractions. So these are called adaptations or environmental changes that we try and help with uh, adapting with ADHD. But really, what can we do to help, truly help with ADHD and that function? And even the autistic spectrum is decreasing neural tone <clears throat> and decreasing neural tone can be from the environment where we pick quiet places to do this uh, work or school or academics, whatever it may be that can help by changing the environment, but usually it comes from changing from within the gut plays a huge role. Uh, diet plays a huge role and neural tone plays a huge role. And all three of those can be affected, changed and contribute to significant improvements in ADHD. So starting with gut, we got to clean up the gut. And I go back to the leaky gut uh, podcast that I have there to learn more about the gut. But all bacteria and flora in the body and in the universe and in the world, all bacteria and viruses and single cell organisms and all that stuff need some food source 
to have nutri- nutrition from. And sugar is one of the universal substances that most things use to sustain energy across all species. So sugar is an easy source of energy and a lot of bacteria use this. So by reducing and eliminating sugar, and we're talking about sugar, refined sugar, candy, bread, rice. I mean, the simple carbs that turn to sugar, right? And direct sugar, cane sugar, honey, uh, candy, Skittles, all, all that stuff is just pure sugar. These things will fuel a fire in the gut that will not go out until we snuff it out. And in order to snuff it out, you got to remove the oxygen from that fire to, to completely snuff it out. And the oxygen to the fire in the spectrum on the spectrum is sugar. And it's the biggest one and the toughest one to eliminate from diet because many kids on the spectrum, uh, like the salty, sweet, crunchy foods, and they don't tend to go towards the proteins and the fats and the foods that are, you know, a little bit more tougher to chew, uh, harder to swallow. They have these sensory things that come with it as well, even adults. And we and we go to the easy foods and the glucose foods for that. So eliminating that is is one of the biggest things. Balanced diet, sufficient sleep. And exercise play a huge role, especially in these children. That's why occupational therapy therapy plays such a great role with kids on the spectrum and ADHD and even for adults. If you are an adult with attention deficit disorder, exercise plays an, an immense role in controlling uh, brain function because you emit extra energy by moving the body in, in a functional way at the gym or on the treadmill or going for a swim, whatever it may be, and expends that so that the brain can actually burn off some of that extra energy that it's using all the time. And actually it helps with focus, concentration, and improve sleep. So these things all play an important role as well. Now, how do we decrease neural tone? If our neural tone is high and we're on a high frequency all the time, then it's really hard to, to t- turn the lights off, dim down, and get a good night's sleep and control this. So decreasing neural tone, again, also goes back to decreasing stimulants, decreasing caffeine, sugar, all the stimulants that we use. And unfortunately, medicine that's diagnosed or prescribed for the diagnosis of ADHD are stimulants kind of a double-edged sword with that because we we use the medication to help us function and children function. But once the medication wears off, they are almost in like a regression in during that time. That's why the medication has to be taken almost daily. So that's the issue there. It's like this feedback loop that you get into with, the, with medication that's not really solving it. So we have to decrease that neural tone. And again, this is going to sound 100% biased, but a tonal chiropractor, tonal work, tonal um, CST provider, craniosacral therapy, chiropractic, myofascial therapist, um, anyone that works with the cranium, sacrum, spine, anything that can influence tone, even acupuncture, can decrease neural tone permanently. It can actually re- reverse the function of high tone and bring it back to normal. Uh, but just like anything else, exercise is something that we have to incorporate daily, forever, chiropractic, acupuncture, CST will be something you'll have to incorporate regularly. It's it's just the way it is. However, once done regularly, the benefits are immense. I'm working with um, a cool kid right now. He's, he's, he's ADHD. He's on the spectrum. He's nonverbal as well. So on the ASD spectrum there, 
just to share a quick story because ADHD over my 17 years has been one of the easiest diagnoses to help families with. It's been a home run. It's throwing me a fastball up middle plate. I am going to hit that to left center home run every single time. So that's, that's been good. The the spectrum stuff has been much more difficult, especially non-verbal, non-motor, uh, motor delay. But they all play under the same umbrella. So this guy, we've been working on him for a couple months. They're trying to stay consistent. They live pretty far away, but they come in. We told them, you know, twice a week would be amazing. They've been trying once a week. And it's been about three months. And the cool story here is we just did his rescan. And this guy is now, you know, eight years old. Um, sorry, seven years old. He's turning eight soon, and he, he's still nonverbal. His words have gone up, but his energy—he would bounce off the walls when he's in there. He couldn't stand still. He would not get on the table. He would not listen to dad. He would not do anything. He comes in now, quiet. Comes on in, waits for me to acknowledge him. Lies down. He says bye to me. He makes eye contact. I can make him laugh. He gets on the table. He won't let me go unless I do some cranial sacral on him. So we'll finish the adjusting. He'll be face up. We'll get him adjusted. He loves it. He loves getting adjusted. And then if I forget to do any type of head movement with him, like a motor motor function, he knows. He thinks it's a massage. So he'll rub his hair. And he'll and the dad's like, oh, you forgot the massage. I'm like, oh yeah, massage. Let's do the massage. But it's just just cranial movement. We're just trying to get his occiput extended a little bit, get his head look up. And it's amazing how they talk to you. The nervous system will talk. It will scream. Uh, that's a cool. That's a cool one. Just currently, and that I'm working on right now. We're working on him. And I keep telling dad, I'm like, you just keep being. You just keep being dad. You're doing great. Uh, stick with this and the words will come. I've seen it happen before. And so he's going to break his shell. Very cool stuff. But ADHD, these, so the story with that, with chiropractic, with doing tonal chiropractic, what that means, tonal means very specific uh, adjusting specifically for the upper neck and the sacrum, the tailbone. There's not much going on in between. We're leaving the, the rib cage alone. We'll do some adjustments if they need them, if they have any aches or pains or soreness in the back or need some movement or they're fixated, no problem there. But we'll focus on the upper neck and the sacrum to make sure that the the tone and how I teach tone to families when they come in, I'm like, think of the spinal cord as a guitar string. And the tuning, that, that tuning portion is the one that you turn up at the head, right? And then the strings are anchored at the base. So you can turn, you can tune guitar strings. You can turn that. That's that's the head. The head will look up, it will look down. It's actually your sphenoid where your brain sits on. It sits right behind your eyeballs, right underneath your eyeballs. And it's it's considered the above the, the bone above atlas. But anyways, it sits through your skull. Your brain literally sits on this. Everything below it is pretty much your mouth and your sinus and all that. It's hollow air. And everything above it is your brain. So it's this, this bone. And this bone actually does torque and twist inside the skull. It moves with cerebrospinal fluid motion and our motion. As we exercise, that will move. It keeps the brain sturdy and in place. But this thing can tilt forward and tilt backwards. It can create too much tone or too little tone. Have you ever undertoned uh, a guitar string? It goes slack. So that's undertone. We can have that problem as well. And that's what that's why we use that technology in the office. So we measure static EMGs. Uh, electromyography can show us if the tone's really, really high, like the ADHD kids, or low. I've seen people low. 
as well. That's low tone. We can measure it. We're like, hey, your guitar string's way too tight. The pitch is way too high. So I teach them that this is the guitar string. And my job as the chiropractor is to, to adjust, rescan, adjust, rescan, adjust, rescan until that tune is perfect. And it can take weeks, it can take months. Some take some cases it can take a year or two. It takes time. Uh, to unwind these things. And that's where the theories come back to the same theories as ADHD. Where did it happen? Genetic, environmental, exposure, uh, in utero. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Once it's today, it's today. You can only think about the present. You can only act in the present. The past and the future are completely out of our control. What has happened has happened. What will happen will happen. So we can only control what happens today. Phenomenal stuff when it comes to uh, ADHD and the things that we can do for it. So there is hope. There is a lot of hope. If you're an adult struggling with attention and struggling with uh, behavior and struggling with getting work done, uh, find a tonal chiropractor in your area. Reach out to us. We'll link you up with somebody close by so that you can get regular care. It will change your life. For those of you parents listening to this who have kids on ADHD medications or just dealing with ADHD or you think they have ADHD, most parents are right because they spend every moment with their children. They know them better than anyone else. Definitely get checked out by a pediatric chiropractor that is proficient in uh, tonal chiropractic techniques. It can be upper cervical technique, torque release technique, activator, craniosacral, network, so many different techniques in chiropractic that work, and occupational therapy. Find occupational therapists in the area that work with pediatrics. They will also be well-versed in all the ASD branches, especially attention deficit disorder. So definitely there is empowerment and there's help out there. You just need to know where to go. Hence why some really cool doctors out there do podcasts to get the message out there for all you parents trying to raise healthy, happy kids. Stay well. We're always here for you. Reach out anytime. Subscribe, like, share. Find our YouTube channel, Full Life Chiropractic, Full Life Chiro. Um, and like that, subscribe to it because the podcast is on there too. You get to see my beautiful face in my living room every week. Uh, Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Stay well. Take care. God. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Living a Full Life Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.